My grandson, Dakota, had died at birth several years ago. His sister had died a few years before his death in a miscarriage. I was not there when they died. An after-death communication or just some clouds. On the day and at the exact time of the ADC, I was performing a Lakota ritual alone in the front yard of my deceased parents' home at 2111 Lishman Avenue, Arnold, Pennsylvania, 15068. There had been a drought in the area for at least a week. The ritual was to address the drought and I had no expectation at all about the children being involved in an ADC. The ADC was completely unexpected. The drought ended that day. During the ritual and about the same time as the ADC, a strong smell of fresh rainwater seemed to rise from the dried out lawn where I was standing and go up into the sky where the ADC appeared later. I had no active thoughts of the children at the time of the ADC other than the memory of their deaths, of course. However, I was completely focused on the Lakota ritual that I was performing alone in the front lawn. The ritual required a willing sacrifice of a treasured object of mine. I chose a cassette tape which actually had rain in its title. It was a white noise meditative audio that I often used to relax and block out distracting sounds. After my rain ritual, which required me to stand on open ground, the lawn of my deceased parents' home in this case, facing west, with feet spread about shoulder width. I ended the ritual by leaning backwards, so my upper body was almost parallel to the ground, my head facing upward and toward the east. That is when the ADC happened. The entire sky appeared to be like a thick pink and blue blanket of cloud cover. One bright star appeared to be in its normal place in the sky, directly above me. I took this to be Dakota. Then, as I gazed backwards toward the eastern horizon, a less bright twinkling star appeared to be in a usual place in the sky, except it seemed to be hiding behind a tall tree across the street from my parents' home. I took this to be my granddaughter, who had died in the miscarriage. I was completely shocked by the appearance of the sky. The entire sky in all directions was covered by the pink and blue cloud cover, and no other stars nor any break in the cloud cover appeared anywhere in the sky except for the two stars I described. The ADC was completely sudden except there appeared to be a quality of eternity within the few seconds of the ADC. That is, even though the ADC would certainly end in a few seconds, 
the actual relationship of the two children who my daughter named Dakota Jones and Mizuko Star and every aspect and being of the true reality would always be there in love and compassion. There have been several after-death events in my life. The first one I can recall was about age 7 in 1945 a few years after my uncle was killed in the U.S. Army as described in another blog post. The other events happened much more closely to the actual date of the death of a friend or family member and were just brief encounters such as a smell or an unexpected encounter with a bird. The first event that clearly changed my life is described below. The editor described below is Charles T. Tart, Ph.D. This article first appeared on his website, T.A.S.T.E., The Archives of Scientists' Transcendent Experiences. Anthony Cipolletti, real name, graduated from the University of Pittsburgh in 1980 with a B.S. degree that included training in chemistry, biology, and psychology. He was employed for a time in Pittsburgh in 1968 as a medical research technician in hematology and hemophilia research with Jessica Lewis, who discovered Factor VIII. Financial and family needs kept him from further graduate education and he was employed as a researcher in the media industry. Beyond the Light, by Anthony Cipolletti Early in 1995, about one year before my mother's death, December 14, 1995, I saw a copy of the book Beyond the Light, written by P.M.H. Atwater. I seemed to have many of the personal attributes of the people she described as near-death survivors. I could not clearly recall any NDE event except for a brief childhood episode after tonsil surgery under ether. I wrote to her, and she sent seminar details. I also realized that the medical community and other folks around Pittsburgh, PA were interested or involved in NDE research. For example, one of the local hospitals was cooling bodies of patients, and repairing their blood vessels near the brain stem. Patients who survived lost all awareness of who they were, and any other personal identity, including other skills such as reading and writing. Dr. Atwater's research seemed to me to include reputable sources in the scientific and medical communities. In May of 1996, Six months after my mother's death on December 14, 1995, and very near my mother's birthday on May 9, I was preparing for a visit to the city of Pittsburgh by PMH Atwater. Atwater had given me three names and phone numbers to call for background information on her near-death research, which she was scheduled to speak about in June 1996 at my invitation. My first call was to a gentleman who hosted near-death seminars in his home for many years. He was a dedicated skeptic and did not believe the experience was real. The second person was the mother of a young son. She and her son experienced an unusual event, and had been featured on a television show. However, she felt that people would inflate their experiences to get attention, as she did. The third call lasted about 30 minutes. I do not recall any of the conversation. The woman had experienced a profound near-death event, however, she sought no publicity and received none. As soon as I hung up the phone after the third call, my room, which is about 9 feet high and 12 feet square, lit up with a wonderful, pale light. I had risen from my chair, just after the call, and immediately sat back down. The light lasted about 20 minutes, then went away. 
About one year after my light experience, I asked PMH Atwater if she had informed her friend about it. She stated that the light experience had happened to many others after speaking with her friend, so she had not mentioned mine. The website of the third person, Nancy Clark. My letter from Nancy Clark. Contributors' comments on the experience. Editor, were there any psychological effects of the light? My psychological interpretation of the light was that it consisted of, or included, the spiritual presence of my mother, who had died about six months before the light appeared. Editor, as described, it just sounds like a curiosity. Perhaps that's all it was, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but perhaps there were other effects? There were no other effects. Editor, and did the light seem to have a source, interact with whatever illumination was already in the room, what was that? Be sourceless, or what? The light did not seem to me to have a physical source, nor interact with any physical aspect, the room was lit with a bare 100-watt bulb in a mid-ceiling fixture. The home is probably built around 1930 or 1940 and has been renovated. The light fixture is not modern and dates probably from the 1950s or even the original building, it has no adjustments nor shades, simply 120 volts and a ceramic bulb receptor. When we moved into the home, around 1990, I cleaned the dust from the ceiling fixture and reconnected the house wires to the electrical connections at the base of the fixture, which is metal. This Beyond the Light article was first published on TASTE, the Archives of Scientists' Transcendent Experiences.